What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, that was a rough one. Sure was. The Buffalo Sabres end up falling to the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2 to in overtime. We had a great game from UPL, making point-blank saves with several notable saves on odd man rushes, some right in front of the net, some from the high slot with traffic in front. It was a, it was a great effort. J.J. Paterka had an excellent forecheck, which directly led to Alex Tuck's goal by keeping the puck in the zone. Carolina then took the lead off of a ridiculously smooth passing play with four great passes, one after another, that ends with Brady Shea scoring on a one-timer. But then Rasmus Dahlin ties this one up soon after on a beautiful individual effort where he splits three Hurricanes by making a smooth deke, then banking it off the boards to himself before scoring low glove. It was one of those big moments where you need your best player to show up, and he did that and ultimately that play ended up earning the Sabres a point. The Hurricanes had their fair share of chances in the third period to take the lead late. However, the Sabres ended up standing strong. There was a hit by Connor Clifton at about 6.30 left in the third. Uh, Hurricanes forward was coming through the middle of the ice, and Clifton so easily dropped the attacking Hurricane in an effective, physically imposing defensive play that, truthfully, I feel like I have not seen a Sabres defenseman make in a while, so I wanted to just give that play a shout-out. In spite of these good things and the Sabres being able to earn a point out of this one, we'll get to the end of the game in a moment. The hallmark of this game, to me, and the reason why the Sabres did not end up winning this game is because this team does not know how to make a clean zone entry on the power play. It was brutal, that last power play in the third period. The Sabres with a great opportunity to take advantage, to pick up two points in this game, and I don't think that they had the puck in the offensive zone for more than maybe 10 seconds at a time. It was brutal. Not able to get anything started, not able to get set up at all. It was just absolutely rough, and the Sabres had the chance to win this game, to walk away with two points, but they were unable to. And ultimately, what ends up happening in overtime, Taylor, while the first unit was out way too long as Casey Middlestad and Owen Power both were exhausted, the Hurricanes end up taking advantage and scoring in the three-on-three overtime period. Ultimately, you want two points there. There is no doubt about it. But I will give them some credit for picking up a point against an Eastern Conference favorite after being down in the third period. They've certainly had moments where they have shit the bed, but they've also had moments where they've proven that they show up when it matters most. So a point here is fine, but we can't be far off from games like this where they actually finish the job and get two points against good teams because that is ultimately how this team is going to make the playoffs. So with that said, Taylor, give me your thoughts on the game. Well, I have a lot of similar thoughts coming into it. The the Hurricanes have not been world beaters this year, but they've been good. But one of the things that's held them back is their goaltending. I think we talked about this maybe on Monday's episode where we said their save percentage has actually been terrible this year, and anti-Ranta is one of the reasons for that. I don't want to go too much into the anti-Ranta had, uh, what, 860 save percentage coming into this game, uh, and the Sabres didn't take advantage of that. I don't want to get into that too much because Ranta's been around for a while, and he's been pretty solid. So I don't, I think you might be getting a, some weird small sample size stuff with him having a bad start to the year. And I'm sure he's not going to have an 860 season. With that being said, wow, this game, real Carolina Hurricanes bullshit. When they're not quit on their offensive game, but are still, you know, mucking it up a little bit, 
just a, a terrible watch and they drag everyone down with them. 49 total shots in this game. 49. I thought the Sabres were killing it for a little while in the first period only to realize shots were like six to two, like 15 minutes into the game. Uh, so just a couple annoying things. Tony D'Angelo scoring. Didn't love that. Very, very strange play. The penalty kill, you know, that technically allowed a goal there. I thought they were still pretty good, especially on the other three opportunities they had. The Sabres played pretty much right with the Hurricanes. I don't know what the, the charts are going to look like, but shots are pretty close. And in the third period, I guess it kind of seemed like the ice was tilted a little bit towards Carolina, but it was not the kind of domination you saw last year. We played the Hurricanes. The Sabres had a lot of trouble. Thinking of one game in particular, maybe in mm, January, February, March era, maybe, maybe December. I don't know. I could be mistaken. But anyway, I think it was a... Uh, Things have gotten significantly better against the Hurricanes, at least tonight, if tonight's any indication. The main thing, though, is like you're going to say the power play, and they did score a power play goal. It wasn't because they were on the power play. Purely an individual effort by Dalene. I'm sure everyone's seen the highlight by now when you're listening to this. They He put it off the boards, beat a defender, and just snapped it over – Ranta's right kind of over Ranta. Was it over his shoulder right past him? Either way, it was was, like – It was low glove. It was low glove. Yeah. Would you say it was under one second from leaving his stick to being in the net? Yes, I would. I mean, the whole play itself was so fast. Him starting off with that initial deke that he makes before just so smoothly throwing it off the boards like that, picking it up. And you could tell, I'm pretty sure I want to go back and check the replay again, but it seemed like the way he threw it off the boards, it's not like the puck was just perfectly sitting when he ended up picking it up and firing it. So even more impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was great. But man, the power play, especially they got a gift an opportunity in the last 10 minutes of the game power play with the score tied. And it wasn't that they didn't score and it wasn't even that they didn't have a shot on net. It's that I don't think they actually set up in the offensive zone even once. I'm not really sure I've ever seen anything like this before where it wasn't even the hurricanes having sustained momentum on the other side of the ice. Cause that can happen. And that's almost understandable. They get a two on one and then you don't know which way to go, which way to go. The one guy passes the other guy and boom, all of a sudden they wasted 30 seconds. It wasn't that it was, they tried to enter the zone seven or eight times. And every time they were rebuffed and every time it looked like the guys had never even met these guys who have played together for multiple years. It just, it looked like the first time they'd ever tried to do a power play together, which is bewildering given the talent that they have. I don't know what, what the hell is going on with the power play? But it's like, even when they do set up, it's kind of a disaster. They've just been so bad on the power play this year. And I almost, I was close to tweeting something during the power play where Darlene scored about how bad that power play was that Darlene just had to be like, shit, let me do it myself. Cause that's not how you would normally enter the zone on a power play. Uh, but you know, I, I don't, I really don't know what to say about that, except that I think that's the number one thing holding them back so far this year. Goaltending wasn't a problem tonight, just that it mostly hasn't been a problem for most of the year. Uh, Even strength scoring. I mean, it's not good. One goal in a a game against the Hurricanes. That's not great, but like overall this year, even strength scoring has been not as good as you want, but close. Your even strength defense is way better. Your goaltending has been mostly fine. Power play is a problem. It's a huge problem, and it's the biggest thing holding them back, like I said. I don't know if you agree with that, but it's it's an unmitigated disaster to me, and it's the number one thing Granado and Adams have to be working on right now. 
Oh, I mean, I completely agree. And I think, you know, to your point about personnel, that's really what it comes down to for me. With the level of talent that you have at your disposal, not even across the top unit, but across both units, but especially the first unit, there is no reason that with that level of talent that the power play should be such a detriment to your game. And I know that in the grand scheme of things, yes, we are early on in the season, but it's far enough along that you have to be able to identify that this is a huge problem, which I'm sure they have, but how are you at this point that it continues to not be remedied and that it continues to just look hopeless? I mean, again, the whole reason why they had a power play goal tonight, like you said, was because of an individual effort. The chemistry and everything is one thing, and it's absolutely a valid point, but just taking it a step further, or even a step back, I should say, you have Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, Rasmus Stalin, Dylan Cousins, Jeff Skinner, Casey Middlestat, JJ Paterka, all of these guys at your disposal, and you can use them in any kind of setup that you would like for that first unit. That is more than enough talent to have a successful power play. This isn't a kind of thing where it's it's some lesser team that has like one guy that you're reliant on and that teams know that they have to focus on. This is a team that has a multitude of weapons spread across several lines and, and across two power play units. Like there's no reason that you can't find a combination that works at this stage of the game. Right, Taylor? I mean, I, I it it's early on, but it, it's far enough along that you should be making these adjustments. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's because the adjustment thing, it's not even just that it's been a dozen or more games now. It's that it's been 13 games to be exact. It's been 13 games of you both having terrible results and failing the eye test miserably. So yeah, this is absolutely the point in the season where you do that. You're roughly one sixth of the way through the season and it's going to be a dogfight the way the Eastern conference is looking right now. So you really, really absolutely need to do something about this because last year, while the results were pretty good, mostly because of Tage, the underlyings were something to be concerned about. And I thought that Adams and Granado both hinted after the season that there were some things they wanted to change. And it seems like things have mainly changed for the worse. So it's uh, I want to say it's a concern. It's way more than a concern. It's 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 infuriating. It's an infuriating thing to watch too. I I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch almost every any any other aspect of the game. Uh, fail than that. Like we watched a historically bad penalty kill last year. That would trade places immediately in that regard. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. Oof. Well, let's talk about a bright spot in this game. We talked about him a little bit last episode because he made his NHL debut and he came back in a big way in his second game, getting an opportunity to play next to Rasmus Dahlin. That of course is Ryan Johnson Don Granado was not shy with his usage with Johnson tonight. It felt like much, he was much more generous with it than he was obviously in the opener going as far as to putting Johnson out there at the end of the third period with Darlene on an offensive zone faceoff. A lot of trust I think is being developed in a very short amount of time due to Johnson's play. I think that he's looked great so far. I think he's pretty seamlessly stepped in to this top six and looks so comfortable, and he looks like an NHL defenseman this early in his career, which is great. Obviously, you know, it's to be expected that there's going to be some ups and downs, but I've been thrilled with how good Johnson has looked so far, and I think that 
if he continues playing the way that he is, that he's going to force this front office's hand to keep him up for the rest of the year because he makes this team better. Absolutely. I think one of the best things you can say about a young defenseman playing some of their first games in the NHL is that you don't notice bad things. And then you might say you notice some good things. Well, they gave him a lot of opportunities to be noticed playing them him with Darlene. And I actually really approve of that move. I think him playing up there on the first line with Darlene, Darlene can kind of cover for him. Darlene, we've said this before, like Darlene can just play with not anyone, but you can just play someone with Darlene. Like you don't have to give Darlene like an excellent partner. He's at that stage of his career where he can carry whoever, especially if it's a young guy, like someone who's talented like Johnson, it especially helps. But I think what stood out to me the most is how Johnson in these two games didn't look out of place. Didn't look like he was, uh, the game was too fast for him or he had to get his feet under him or anything like that. He really just looked like he belonged pretty much right away. So that's super encouraging. He's not someone I thought a ton about, I'll admit, coming into the season, partly because they had a dozen defensemen or whatever. And partly because I guess I was thinking more about the forwards. And I actually, sorry to go back on this. I completely forgot to bring this up. Um, but going back to the power play real quick, uh, there is a fella in Rochester who has been pretty dynamite in the power play mm. in the past year or so. Would you support bringing him up just to get the power play going? <laughs> I would support bringing him up for the the fact that he deserves it. But yeah. Yes, I mean, especially for that. Yeah. Also to give further context before we get on to that uh, power play discussion and further and the fellow that we just mentioned there, Ryan Johnson skated 1926. Wow. I'm on ice today. Really That's good also the year the Sabres drafted him. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Nicely done. Finger guns. Oh, boy. Not only was he out there at the end of the game in the third period for that offensive zone faceoff, it was against Carolina's top line, too. So clearly, again, Granado has given a lot of trust to Ryan Johnson in a short amount of time. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if he is able to stay with Darlene and continue to play with him and, and be the partner, really, that we saw him be tonight. I think if that is the case, that gives you a ton more flexibility with the back end here because I thought Connor Clifton had an all right game tonight. I thought, again, like he made a couple of really strong physical plays there next to Owen Power. I like that idea more than I like Owen Power playing with Yoki Haru or with really anybody else on the team aside from Samuelson. But when Samuelson does end up coming back, being able to play him next to Power and then Clifton on the third pair with Johnson, I think that that makes this defensive group very solid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, I guess, to find like a winning six out of the 10 possible guys they have at this point. I think it's 10, nine or 10, whatever it is, but Johnson looking as solid as he has to these two games adds an element for them. That's pretty reassuring. And it, it makes me feel a little bit better about how things are going forward. And, you know, even looking past this season to next season, when a couple of these fellas are free agents, Johnson will be here and he'll probably be, imagine the way things are going, he'll be out full time next year. So that'd be, you know, if, if he was definitely, it, it would just be really cool if he was a, a real rock solid third pairing guy at the very least. And then, or maybe he just plays with Dallin. Who knows? It could go either way, but that you just have four guys like that lined up. And also Clifton's under contract. Clifton will be here next year. And that checks a huge box for you because then really looking beyond next year, if you are able to go into it confidently with Johnson playing next to Darlene, 
then you'll have the flexibility of having a third pair potentially of Matias Samuelson and Connor Clifton. And then you can go out and make a move for a second pair defenseman to play with power to upgrade there. Yeah, true. True. I mean, there's a lot, uh, I guess that they have the possibility of doing the off season. So Johnson adds, I don't want to say it's the flexibility, but I guess it'd be one less thing to worry about Yeah, from Kevin Adams perspective. How about we, make the playoffs this year first before getting there. But even before we get to that, Taylor, what do you think about hearing a word from our sponsors? Hmm. All right. So this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. About five bucks on any game this week and score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Now, folks, we got a really exciting game coming up. Brandon, this is episode posting Thursday or Wednesday. It will be Thursday. Okay, so folks, tonight, Thursday night football, Panthers, Bears, Bryce Young, DJ Moore, maybe Justin Fields, might maybe Tyson Bagent. Feel the excitement, folks. On your TVs, 87-year-old Al Michaels, Curb Herb Street, sounding like he's trying to read a roadmap while he's lost in a city he's never been in before. You're giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. I don't know how you even decide in a line in a game like this, but the Bears are favored by four and a half. I don't know how you should bet that, but, you know, take it under consideration. Just something to think about. Anyway... So if you want to get on the great game day greatness, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net and your call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Hit Nugget, Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, responsible gaming resources. Folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Raycon. And, man, you know, this time of year, it gets pretty chaotic, buying presents, all that stuff. And it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and the packed calendar make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon's products before. So we've had this for a while, everyday earbuds, the speaker. We love it, folks. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to change iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter 
Uh, Ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth with is actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is offering 20% off everything on their site. Select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon's products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back, folks. We are so back, Taylor. And you know who's back in Buffalo? No. Matt Savoy. Oh, yeah. Matt Savoy. I did know that. Yes, he is back in Buffalo, folks. His conditioning (laughs) stint with the Amherst has come to an end, and Savoy is now returning to the Sabres, and it's seeming like we should get him in the lineup very soon. Savoy had a very, very solid stint with Rochester during his six-game stint he was playing on a line with Isaac Rosean and Yuri Kulik and ended up having two goals and three assists in those six games. Within those six games, ended up having a five-game point streak. Very exciting times. Savoy seeming like he is ready for this opportunity now at the Sabres. He had some very unfair criticism in the playoff run last year, but looking like he's ready now to step into the Sabres lineup and hopefully contribute here, Taylor. So wondering your thoughts, where do you think Savoy is going to end up getting a look? Where would you like to get, see him get a look? And ultimately, what are your expectations for him, Taylor, as he prepares to make his Sabres debut? Expectations. It's tough to know where to start. As far as where I want him to get a look, it's I want him to have the benefit that like our, our good friend Zach Benson had this year, which is to say, to play high up the lineup. They have kind of uh, changed around the lines a lot recently, try to get something going, try to find a good spark. I don't know exactly. I don't have exactly a line in mind that I wanted to play on. But, yeah, I, I 100% think he should be playing in the top six for whatever amount of time he's here. I think that should be – that's a no-brainer for me that he, he gets that, that he gets that kind of opportunity like Benson got and like other guys have gotten in the past. Agreed. I kind of am interested at the prospect of a few different scenarios here. One of which is him getting the chance to play with Tage. Tage has proven this year that he's really has the flexibility to be able to play with anybody. He's obviously had his success with that usual top line of him talking Skinner, but he also has had a really strong start to the year playing with guys like Jordan Greenway, briefly playing on a line with Dylan Cousins with that trio together. And while Tage has been off to a good start this year, the production is a little bit behind, I think, where all of us want him to be and know where he can be. I'm curious if a guy like Savoy, who is as fast as he is, who has the playmaking abilities that he has, and also who's as tenacious of a four-checker as him, if that could potentially be a good scenario to not only set up Savoy for some success playing with a high-end player like Tage, but also setting Tage up for success by playing with such a dynamic player like Savoy. Now, obviously we'll have to see how quickly he's going to be able to adjust to the NHL level and adapting to the speed of the game. But 
it feels like he's going to be able to step in and, and be effective, like you said, in a similar way to, to Zach Benson. I mean, I also think that there could be something, too, to him playing on Dylan Cousins' wing, for example. He got off to a really slow start and then since has kind of had flashes where he's shown the player that he was last year and, and that we've come to really appreciate about him and his game, whether it's, you know, his physicality, his play driving ability, his, you know, a little bit of his goal scoring, but ultimately the production really hasn't been there to the degree that we know it can. And maybe Savoy can provide a spark there too, potentially. I don't know. What do you think about the prospect of him playing with either Tage or cousins? Well, I guess we'd have to know if cousins is actually going to be back by then, but uh, Tage, yeah, absolutely down for that kind of, a, I'd love to see what that looks like. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited in general to see him. It just, it, it feels kind of, a like it, it's, it feels a little forced by the, uh, kind of stupid junior, not stupid junior. I shouldn't say that, but the inflexible rule that he'd have to be in juniors and can't actually be full-time in the AHL and that's just for conditioning, blah, blah, blah. Because I think even though I'm excited to see Savoy, he was a top 10 pick. He had a great year in juniors last year, really more excited to see Kulik. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like in a perfect world, Savoy would be in the AHL route right now doing his thing, having, you know, he's, he was having a solid time in the, in the limited time he was down there. So yeah, but I guess to answer the question more directly, I would like to see him. Yeah. That's the kind of opportunity that I was talking about really to, see, to play with someone like Tage to get power play time. I mean, it couldn't hurt at this point <laughs> and to, yeah, to give him a real shot to see what it looks like to see if he can help them this year. Because it's, you know, they need help. Agreed. How about Kulik? He's, it's inevitable that he's going to end up getting called up at some point. I mean, it's going to be sooner or later. He's well-deserving. He realistically could definitely be on the team now, which I feel like we've been saying every episode for the past few weeks. But he's going to get an opportunity sooner or later. And we talked about Tage and Cousins there. I would really be interested to see Kulik playing with Casey Middlestat with how Middlestat's been playing lately. That feels like that could be a crazy pair. Kulik and Middlestat? Yeah. That'd be Wow, that's fascinating. Right? I I would really like to see that. And I would also, I think, like to note here, Brendan. This is important. A long-winded answer about why I'd like Kulik up soon. Because I think we agree of, of everyone who's not currently in the NHL, and I'll even include Byro, Rusek, Savoy, whatever. Kulik is the one who's most earned a place in the NHL so far this season. Agreed. I don't think that's even in question. Uh, here's here's my long-winded reason I want him up. Just looking right now at the Atlantic division, Boston is running with it. They're, they're, they're doing incredible. The Sabres have the same amount of games played as Tampa Bay and Detroit. They're three points behind Tampa, two points behind Detroit. Toronto has a game in hand and is one point ahead Florida is tied with us in points, two games in hand. Montreal has a game in hand as a point behind, so they're virtually tied. They have 12 and 12. We have 13 and 13. And then Ottawa's last, obviously. But, you know, they're not crazy far back. They have eight points in 10 games. And then, you know, meanwhile, on the other side, it's the Islanders have 13 points in 10 games. Washington has 11 and 10 games. Philadelphia and Columbus have 11 and 12. They're not that far off. So, teams that could be potentially fighting for a wild card spot with. And then Pittsburgh, you got to mention them too. Eight and 10 games. There's no one really out of it yet. But then again, you're very much in it. Like I said, the Sabres are three points back of second place in the division right now. So they're very much in it, but so is everyone else. It means you got to start standing out. It means you have to solve the thing that you can most easily solve. The biggest 
hinge point right now for the Sabres is their power play because right now their power play is like diabolically bad. And if it's that bad, I mean, you're just not going to make the playoffs with the power play playing like this. And it can't be this bad all year, but it could be the worst power play in the league. Sure. If they are as unstructured and confused and bad as they were tonight, sure. That could be the worst power play in the league. They also have the talent to be one of the best power plays in the league. We already saw that last year and they have an unstoppable weapon in Tage. They have such good personnel, as you mentioned. So the difference in that one thing is huge. And if Kula can help with that, even in a small way, that's worth having him up. And it's worth, God bless him, but Rusek and Byro have to go back to the AHL if that means Savoy has to end up in Winnipeg again. For a little while, that'll make sense. Well said. Well said. Uh, you absolutely hit the nail on the head with everything there. That, that was great, Taylor. I. Thank you. You owe it to this team to do that. There's two ways of looking at it, and you touched on both of them. One is earning the right to be there, and this regime has said from the start that guys are going to be able to earn their spots, and they want to be able to ice the best team that they can. So Kulik is a guy that absolutely has earned that right and has proven that he's ready to take the jump and take the next step. In addition to that, there is one goal this year, and that is making the playoffs. And like you said, there's no way that you're going to be able to do that with a power play this bad. But beyond that, it's about doing whatever it takes to get you closer to that goal and playing the best players that you have within the system at your disposal is the way that you can do that. Having four lines that you feel confident rolling out there. That's what playoff teams have. You don't have to be reliant on one or two guys. That's a part of all of the luxury of the way that they built this thing. Adams should allow this to start paying off. You have Tage, obviously, which is great. You have Darlene, you have power, you have Tuck, you have these star players who are incredible, but you have the one thing this time around that all of these other teams over this playoff drought don't have. And it's the reason why all of them have failed. You have depth. You have guys who can score down your lineup. You have guys in your middle six that can put the puck away. And even beyond that, you have the disposal to have even more of them there and to even improve that internally. You don't have to go out and make a move, even though they do need to. You don't have to do that. You have these guys waiting in the wings. Matt Savoy could step in and prove it and earn that right off the bat there. But Yuri Kulik also has earned that right. And they owe it to him to find out, but they also owe it to this team to find it out. You owe it to yourself to put out the best 12 forwards that you can. And I think you and I undeniably both agree that they're not doing that right now. No. And that, I mean, I think if, if they're really serious about this season, you can't just keep pulling Victor Olofsson out there because they don't trust them. It's not like they have some like love of Victor Olofsson. Look at tonight. When the going gets tough and you're facing the good defensive team, guys know where to be found. Because and not because he's invisible on the ice, it's because he's he's staple to the bench in these situations. Yep. So it's what are you doing wasting your time with that? It you're we're six weeks or so, six weeks to two months away from Jack Quinn probably coming back. That's what it seems to be. Yep. The timeline for him. But what what are we doing then? It's Jack a waste Quinn's of time, like you said. You're you're exactly right. It is a waste of time. Like they wanted Byro up and he looks pretty good. I know he's hurt now. I don't know how long you never know how long anyone's hurt. They're 
they have them in a dark room. They're applying leeches to them or whatever <laughs> their training staff does. So we don't know. But they like Rusek. Okay, so Rus- they want Rusek to play. You want Rusek to play over Olofsson? You want Jost to play over Olofsson? You want Savoy to play over Olofsson? Kulik? All of those are good choices. And it's not like Victor Olsen's the worst player ever, but there's just no place for him here anymore. So you're just wasting a roster spot. The guy you don't trust, they're playing like eight minutes. Yep. Don't keep doing that. Don't keep doing that. You you can, if you really can't find a taker for him, which I believe at this point, I think, I don't need bury him in the AHL. Edmonton just did it with Jack Campbell. They did that on Tuesday. Five over five million dollars they just put on waivers. You mean to tell yeah. me you can't do that with Olafson? It's starting to get to that point where you got to consider that if you can't find somebody to take him for whatever he's worth at this point, like a late round pick or something like that. Do what is best for the team here. You owe it to this team. The the yeah. talent is there. Yeah. This team is good enough to make the playoffs. They absolutely can. Absolutely. And hey. The right move is they will, but you're right. They ha- and, right and I think a little bit of luck. Well, right. You know, I think goaltending is still obviously a concern for us here. It's been great. I thought UPL overall did have a solid game tonight, which is it's good to see that at least this year we've been getting more good games out of him than bad so far. But to your point earlier, small sample size. That being said, you have the ability to outscore your problems that you have in net and the worries that you have in net. It's they were able to get away with that last year and they were a point away from the playoffs. This year, you seemingly have improved your team defense. Your penalty kill is not broken anymore. Like it's working. It is looking good. It's consistent. And you have pretty much all the same guys here, but with the ability of adding a few really young, dynamic, exciting players into the mix. So, yes, there, of course, are holes in this lineup, but with how talented this team is and the talent that they have at their disposal and the talent waiting in the wings, you have the ability to be one of those teams that can just outscore other teams because all the other parts, at least, aren't burying you right now. UPL has been good enough. Levi hasn't had, obviously, statistically the best year, but he has put them in the position to win games, and he's growing, and he's going to get better as the year goes on, we would hope and, and would like to think. It's there for the taking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Any last thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off, Taylor? Mm, I don't know if it's a recommendation yet, but I'm enjoying this. I think might be the last season of Big Mouth on Netflix. I don't know if it's actually the last season, but it's good. Uh, wow. So. I have not watched in so long. Yeah, I'm surprised. Netflix never does this. Keep giving a show, you know, more seasons thing, but I think it might be partly because it's animated. Mm-hmm. Probably has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I assume people must still watch it. I guess uh, it's uh anyway. It's season seven, and uh, it's uh you know, it's been pretty good. I haven't finished yet, so maybe TBD on a recommendation. Okay, that's fair. I'm gonna give one. The Beatles released a new song, which was really cool, called "Now and Then." It came out at the end of last week. Really interesting stuff. They were working on it originally in 1994 when they were doing the Beatles anthology. Around that time, they had put out two songs that were old John Lennon demos that they ended up recording parts for and finishing the writing of and released them. There was a third song, and it's this one, Now and Then, and they were experiencing issues with the mix of the the demo. It wasn't really the best quality, and they were having trouble 
isolating the vocals and the piano. And so they ended up using an AI software to be able to do that. There was like a weird misconception that people thought that part of the song was made by AI, which is just not what happened. But either way, though, so they ended up getting to successfully do that, which enabled them to finish the song properly. They have George Harrison's guitar parts from 1994. And then Paul and Ringo ended up recording their respective parts over again and adding backing vocals, that being Paul. But I really enjoyed it. I think it was great. I've seen a lot of really weird criticism about it online of people complaining that it's not some masterpiece when in reality they took a piano demo from 1978 that was in bad shape and were able to make it into a, a legitimately really good song. Have you listened to it by chance, Taylor? I have. I thought it was nice. Ah, good. I'm glad to hear. All right. Well, with that being said, everybody, that's all for this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're checking out both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, make sure you are subscribed and or following us on your streaming platform of choice and leave us a nice little ring or review or as we would very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors, that being DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout. And of course, also Raycon. We love Ray J. Ray J loves the Sabres. You know the deal. Raycon, head to raycon.com slash THPN to take advantage of great deals on whatever audio devices you are looking for. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.